Good morning. For those of you that don't know, my name is Javon Johnson. I'm a chaplain in the United States Navy. I'm stationed over at Camp Pendleton. I work with the 1st Marine, uh, Marine Battalion. I'm 11th Marine Division um, with the artillery people over there. And so I, I have a fun job. And I love what I'm doing. All right, so today we're talking about dangerous prayers. And so the first, the, our verse today is um, James chapter 5, verse 16. It says, uh, 15 to 16, it says, And the prayer offering faith will make a sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is both powerful and effective. And oftentimes, when we, I think when we read this verse, I don't really truly believe that we believe this verse is true. Because I think if we actually believe that this verse is true, that our, our Christianity would look a lot different. And our, and our blueprint in the world, our thumbprint in our community would look a lot different if we really believe that the prayer of a righteous person is both powerful and effective. And I think sometimes when we, when we go to God in prayer, we, we have this limitation on God's power. And we pray to God kind of down here. And we say, God, I want this. I want this to happen. I want it to happen this way. And God said, I can, I can make it happen this way. But if that's what you want, I give it to you. I also think that the, one of the reasons why we don't really truly believe that this verse is actually true is because we, we're sitting there and reading that and we're saying, you know what? It says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And guess what? I'm not righteous. You're, you're right. <laughs> None of us sitting in this room is righteous. But the one who died on the cross is the one that makes us righteous. And so if you have been baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, when it says the prayer, a prayer of a righteous person is both powerful and effective, you are a righteous person through the blood of Jesus Christ. What does it say? It says this, for it's by grace you have been saved. Through faith, it is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So we might be sitting to ourselves, man, like I can't get to my, this, this position where I can pray dangerous prayers, where I can do anything because I feel like I'm unrighteous. I'm unworthy to be in God's presence. But guess what? We all are unworthy to be in God's presence. But God looks down upon every last one of us and says, I want you in my presence. And so I'm going to send my son so that you can have access to be in my presence. So that you can be righteous now. And so when, you, when we go to God with our request, when we go to God with our prayer, we have to have the confidence that we are righteous enough to do that. It says, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, in prayer and position, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about anything. Do not be anxious about how many people struggle with that. <laughs> and, we, and it's because we, we kind of want to control the situation. We want things to go smoothly. We don't want bad things to happen to us. But it says, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Now, there was a time in my life where I, I, I kind of do it a little bit more now, but there was a time in my life where I didn't do this at all. And it wasn't until I, I was, as you guys know, I was prior enlisted. It wasn't until I decided to make the transition from being prior enlisted to being a, a, a chaplain. 
And at the time, I, I was working, I, I, I was enlisted, I was doing my thing, I found out that I, I could be a Navy chaplain and I'm doing all the stuff that's necessary. So I was working full-time with a church. I was uh, going full-time to school and I was full-time in the Navy, doing all kind of crazy stuff, doing this, right? And I was doing, doing that on a shore duty, right? And in order for you to go to your next duty station, it has to be a ship. And so I told the detailer, I was like, hey, detailer, look, I'm trying to be a chaplain. I'm doing my thing over here. This is what I need to do. Can you find me a ship in San Diego where I don't leave for like a year from now? <laughs> the next day he drove me, he's like, yeah, I found you a ship in San Diego. You're going to leave in December. Well, it's October. I was like, really? <laughs> really? <laughs> like, I, I'm going I'm to basically transfer to this ship and I'm going to leave. I'm just like, man. So I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place because the church that I'm working at, I'm working part-time, but I'm kind of doing full-time work. And, I, and, I, and they have like a financial situation that was pretty bad. And I was, like, I, I, I was like, man, what do I do? I feel that God is calling me to be a chaplain. But I also know if I stay in the Navy, I got that medical insurance. I got the housing paid for. I got all, the, all my bills paid. I'm like, I'm good. And so I went to God, I said, God, I was, I was very specific. I was like, God, I need this much in salary. I need them to pay for my insurance. I need, and I had a list. I was like, God, if the church is able to do that, because I was kind of thinking they wouldn't be able to do it. <laughs> if the church is able to do that, then I will go work for North County and I give up the Navy. I went to the elders. I said, hey, this is my request. This is what I need in order to live in Southern California. They was like, okay. Wait, what? Okay. And in fact, God was like, he was like, check this out. Since you prayed that prayer that you prayed, I'm going to do you one better. Not only am I going to give you everything that you asked for, I'm going to give you a house, a two-bedroom house in San Marcos where you only pay $1,000 a month. I paid $1,000 a month in San Marcos in Southern California for almost three years because I prayed a prayer that wasn't simply just about me. You see, prayer is not about us. It is about God. I, I, I hope you understand. I, if you don't get anything out of this lesson today, if you don't remember anything that I tell you, if you just walk out of here and you forget everything, I don't want you to forget this. Prayer is not about us. It is about God. Because, see, here's the, here's the thing. I, I understand how we can, we can get confused by this because we might be struggling in our marriage, right? We might be struggling in our marriage, and we need God to help us in our marriage. And so we, we send our request to God and say, God, please help us with our marriage. So it, it does directly affect us. Or we might be struggling financially, and we send our request to God and say, God, please help my financial situation so it does make my situation better. Or we might be saying, hey, God, I have this bad relationship with my brother or this bad relationship with my father or this bad relationship with somebody. God, please help mend that relationship. And I get it. I understand how we can view it as it is about us. But it is not about us. It is always about God and how when we go to God with our prayers and our requests and we go to him and say, God, please help me with this situation. When people look at you and say, how did you come through? You say, it's only by the grace of God that I am here. And I give all of the glory to God. You see, Daniel is sitting in his room, minding his own business, doing his thing. Got some people, they hating on him. Hey, he always, he praying, he's friends with the king. So they, had the, they tricked the king into issuing the decree. They say, hey, if you pray at this particular time, you're going to be thrown into a lion's den. Daniel's like, okay, cool. I'm going to keep praying. <laughs> I'm going to keep doing what I know is right. Of course, 
They find him praying. On, on, at a time he's not supposed to be praying, they tell the king. The king's like, hey, he throws him in the lion den. He's like, all right, cool. Hey, may the God that you serve save you because uh, I don't think it's going to happen. Comes back the next day, David, are you, are you still in there? He said, oh, king, live forever. <laughs> the God that I serve shut the mouth of the lions. But it, this wasn't just about Daniel's faith. It was about the faith of everybody else that, that happened after that. Because after that, the king looked at it and said, your God is so powerful. You know what? That decree I just made, that decree's done. Tear that up. Issue a new degree, decree. If you don't serve the God of Daniel, you're going to be thrown into a lion's den. You see, Daniel understood the, the value of praying dangerous prayers. He understood that if he puts himself in a position where it might be uncomfortable, it might get yourself killed, that the glory of God will shine through when he does his miraculous healing or powers over everything that we're doing. You see, our prayers are not about us. It is, always, will be about God. And so I, 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 would, I, I would challenge you. I say, I, I say Christians need to pray dangerous prayers. Like, we, we, really, we really need to. Because one of the things that we do, we, we go to God with like these safe prayers and say, God, can you please be with Aunt Jimmy, Uncle Jimmy, can you please be with Timmy? And, and, uh, and, we, and we just pray these things. And again, because of our, our faith or, or the limitations that we put on God, we put God kind of right here when God said, hey, I can do so much more if you just allow my will to happen in your life. Our safe prayers prevent us from seeing God's power. Our safe prayers prevent us from seeing God's power. And so you got in 2 Kings chapter 19, Hezekiah uh, receives word that Samaria has been sacked, has been taken over by the Assyrians. And the Assyrians uh, take over, and, they, and he, so he sends a letter to the king, said, King, I get it. Hey, I, I, I will send you this kind of gold. I'll send you all this stuff. Just show mercy on us, whatever. The king sends the letter back. He sends a letter and some messages back. He said, no, nah, we're, we're the Assyrians. You saw what we did to this country. You saw what we did to that country. You saw what we did to this country. Hey, your God cannot save you. All those other countries, they had gods too. In fact, he, he, the messenger starts saying this to the, all of Israel. and saying, hey, don't let Hezekiah fool you. Your God will not save you at all. Because we, we destroyed this city. We destroyed that city. We destroyed that city. And those cities had gods too. And guess what? The same thing is about to happen to you. And here's Hezekiah. He said, he said this prayer. It is true, Lord, that the Assyrians king have laid waste to these nations and their lands. They have thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them, for they were not gods at all, but only wood and stone fashioned by human hands. Now, Lord, our God, deliver us from the hand of his hand so that all the kings of, of the earth may know that you alone are God. He didn't say, God, he didn't say, well, we would probably say, God, please save us. We don't want to die. He says, no, I know you will. I know because those gods that they served were puny little fake gods. I serve the real living God. Now I'm going to say to you, God, please now deliver us from this hand so that they can know who is the true and powerful God. Now check this out. It says, the night the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 Assyrian in the camp. And when the people got up the next morning, they were all dead bodies. Now, he could have easily surrendered. And I think in our, in our life that sometimes we end up surrendering to the enemy instead of going to God with some dangerous prayers. Oh, I got to hold on to this job because I need it. 
I got to hold on to this relationship because I can't find another relationship. I got to do this. I got to do that. Instead of going to God with a dangerous prayer and say, God, I need you. I know that you are a powerful God who can do a powerful things in my life. And I know it's going to be uncomfortable when I go through it. But I'm praying that you lead me out of this situation. Our safe prayers prevent us from seeing God's powers. Another thing our safe prayers do is prevents us from moving forward. Now, in Acts, you have um, Peter, he gets arrested. Now, the Herod has, uh, he's going around capturing all these Christians, right? He's, doing, he's throwing them in jail, killing them, you know, put them, put them in, in their place because they're out there preaching the gospel. And then they capture Peter. Peter gets captured. And then the, the church hears that Peter gets get captured, and instead of just praying a simple prayer like, God, please watch over Peter as he's in prison, they say, God, break him out of jail. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers and, and bound with two chains. The sentry stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, the angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Get up, he said, and the chains fell off of Peter's wrist. They prayed a dangerous prayer. Because if Peter gets caught, he might get killed. Our prayers prevent us from moving forward. So a lot of us are sitting, sitting there, sitting in sin. Sitting in the current situation. And instead of praying to God, instead of saying, God, help me out of the situation, do something miraculous, we just kind of sit there. And we just kind of have the chains on. And we're just bounded by this sin. And we can never move forward. We can never get better. And then we wonder to ourselves, why is our lives not different? I come to church every Sunday. I read my Bible. I know God's word. Why is my life not different? Because we're just bound by the chains. And we're just sitting there in prison waiting on some miracle to happen instead of praying that God will have sovereignty over your life and change your current situation. All safe prayers also allow evil to linger around us. And so you got Jesus. He's walking around with his disciples. He meets this man. His son has a demon possessed in him. He said, son of God, please have mercy on my child. Can you cast out this demon? He said, of course I can cast out the demon. He cast out the demon and he, moved, and he gone in that way. Now this demon, this particular demon, the disciples were trying to cast out earlier. And they say to Jesus, hey, Jesus, why couldn't we cast out that demon? And this is his response. This kind only comes out with prayer. Some of us are living in sin right now that can only come out with prayer. And you've been trying your best to do it all on your own. And God's saying, hey, you need to pray for that. But see, this is why we don't want to pray for that. Because in order for us to pray for that, in order for us to pray for the sin to get out of our life, we have to give up something that we like. We have to give up some, some, some comfortableness. We have to put ourselves in a, in, a, in a position that we're not in control, that God is actually in control of what's happening in your life. And we know that it's going to be painful. We know that it's going to hurt. I think the fact that we read the Bible and we see that God, when people pray to God, things happen, that scares us. Because we know that sometimes God doesn't answer the prayers the way that we want him to answer them. And so we kind of stay in this safe, safe prayer zone. And we kind of hover right here because it, it just feels good. It feels better. Instead of saying, you know what, like Jesus did, hey, I really don't want to die on the cross. I changed my mind, but not my will be done, but your will be done. Right? Can, can, can we start saying that? When we're going through something, say, like, I really don't want to go through the pain of trying to change and be different and trying to be more like you, but you know what? Not my will be done, but your will be done. And understanding that it's going to hurt. Understanding that it's going to be hard. 
understanding that, guess what? Sometimes these things can only come out by prayer. I spent a lot of my time being very angry, a very angry person. In the first five years of my marriage, I had a lot of anger to just everybody, not just my wife. But I would punch holes in the wall, slam doors, do all kind of crazy things. And I went through two years of counseling. But it wasn't until I started praying for God to get that anger out of my, out of that angry spirit off of me that it actually left. Some of us have some kind of sin sitting over on, on us and, and just lingering around. And we know that that sin needs to go away. And we try to, we're like, oh, I keep doing, doing bad things. I, I keep watching this stuff. I keep doing this. I keep doing that. And you keep praying, sort of, kind of, but we, I think we kind of pray in this safe zone where it's kind of like, I, I still want to be comfortable. I still want to kind of be in control. I still want to do it on my own. Versus praying dangerously and saying, God, I need you to come in right now and change everything about my situation and take control of it. But that's hard for us because we make a lot of money and we have degrees and we're smart and we can figure it out. And the prayer offering faith will make a sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is both powerful and effective. And so I want to tell you, leave you with this. It's dangerous prayers produce dangerous Christians. I'm going to say that again. Dangerous prayers produce dangerous Christians. And so there's a reason why Peter was thrown in jail. Because he was dangerous. There's a reason why Paul was thrown in jail and flogged because he was dangerous. There's a reason why Jesus Christ was hung on the cross because he was dangerous. And when the world looked at that, when Satan, the enemy, looked at that and said, no, I cannot allow that to happen. So if, if, if for whatever reason we're not being persecuted for our faith, I would say that we're not dangerous at all. If for whatever reason we're just simply just comfortable and we like, we're good enough with just going to church, reading a little scripture, going to church, spreading a little bit of gospel, then I would say that we're truly not dangerous at all. Because dangerous prayers produce dangerous Christians. And so I want to challenge everybody today. So we have an opportunity for us to pray. Right here is a cross. And on this cross, you know, it represents what Jesus did for us on the cross, right? But I kind of want to start, in the back of your pews, or if you don't, I don't know what about the front row, but in the back of your pews, there's a prayer card, right? And I kind of want to give you guys a good two minutes to kind of grab that prayer card. You don't have to put your name on it. But what I want you to do is just think about it. I want you to write down a dangerous prayer. Write down a prayer that you haven't written down before. Write down something that you haven't requested from God. You might have requested from God, but you've kind of been doing it at this safe level where you limit God's power. I I want everybody, if if you can, just grab one of those papers and have a pencil. I'm going to give you a couple minutes to put down a dangerous prayer. And as we close out this, this lesson, you guys have opportunity throughout the time that we do um, the invocation. I mean, and, and, and um, have people come up. You can put it on the cross if you want to. I'll give you a few minutes to, to do that. Card, I put that the church is leaning into its calling and not simply showing up for worship. I'm going to say that again that this church is leaning into its calling and not simply showing up for worship. 
What does that mean? That doesn't mean that you just say, hey, elders, take care of it. Hey, ministers, take care of it. No, 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 no. When I say the church is leaning into its calling, I'm talking about every individual finding out what spiritual gift they have and adding value not only to your neighborhood, but to your community, but also to this community. Because I, I know some of the things we like, we wish that more people would come and do something about it. Start leaning into your calling. Instead of praying for more people to come, how about you pray for God to use you to bring people to the church and we just outgrow this church because we're doing so much amazing things that we can't help it but people coming over here. That's what happened with Jesus. Jesus walking around doing what God has called him to do, leaning into his calling, and people just kept following him. He had to go high. He was like, I got to go high. People keep following me. <laughs> we want to get to the point where we, we just like, man, we, there's too many people in here. We got to get a bigger building. But that doesn't, that doesn't happen by simply, God, please bring more people to church. Okay, that's safe. God, use me to love people that I deem unlovable. Because mm. all of us have those people that we struggle loving. Instead of praying, hey, God, make my, make, make, make my mother-in-law a little bit better. How about we pray, God, help me to love my mother-in-law even when she's not treating me the way that I deserve to be treated. You see, this thing is not up to just the elders. This thing is not up just to the, the person that's preaching. If you have claimed to follow Christ, this thing is up to you as well. And so it requires us as this family, as, as these people that God has brought together to say, hey, what is your spiritual gift? What do you have? What's, what's going on? What do you have? Can you use that to glorify God and bring more people to him? Not for the simple sake of having more numbers. I mean, that, that's irrelevant. We can have more numbers and people still not have the, the glory of God in their lives. Trust me, there's tons of churches that have more numbers than us and they don't have nothing else going on but that. So don't focus on that part. Focus on the part where you say that, that I am being used as the vessel for God to bring people to church to change their life. That's why people are here. Not because the preaching is good, not because this, we got instruments or no instruments, not because we got praise, not because all this random stuff that doesn't matter, but because I walked into that church and loved God so much that it just kind of fell off of them. And I just, I just had to go back. <laughs> and so I'm going to invite Ed to come up to sing. If, if, any, if any of you are thinking to yourself, man, you know, I'm not really praying dangerous prayers. In fact, I'm just praying like these kind of safe prayers. And I don't really know what that looks like. You can, you can come to me. You come to the elders. We can, we can tell you through the Bible and through our, our also prayer how to make your prayers more dangerous and not just safe. But also... I want to have you guys have opportunity as we're singing um, this, this song. Opportunity to put the um, paper up, the prayer request on there. There's tax up here for you. And we're just going to try to fill this as much as we can. So if you don't mind, um, you can come forward now as we stand and as we sing. Amen.